Okay. <laughs> We're starting this like mid-sentence almost, Matthew. Uh, <laughs> hey, everyone. It is so good to be uh, to be back in your ears. Is that weird? That was um, really weird. Yeah, it was and really weird. Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. I'm supposed to sound a little bit more cheery because Tanya told me that the start of the last podcast, you I sounded like super somber somber, and I think you even pointed it out. I think your heart was beating pretty quick because that was the Genesis 1 podcast, right? That's right. That was, yeah, that was high stakes kind of stuff for, for some people, right? For sure. Yeah, totally. A lot of, lot of dialogue about that one. Way more than anything else we've done. I know. So thanks to everybody who like sent emails and uh, corresponded. It was, yeah, it was great yeah, to hear yeah. from people. Yeah, yeah. Lots of like, lots of real affirming things and then lots of kind of ruffled feathers and pushback and it was definitely got some conversations going. Yeah. Which is, I think, really good. That's kind of the point, right? In a lot of ways with this. Totally. Maybe yeah. we should talk about ruffled feathers. What does that mean? Oh, like ruffled Like you ruffle feathers. a feather? Like you... Well, Matthew, <laughs> back in the early 1800s, uh, there was a, uh, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. No, there were... Um, All kinds of say, birds. That... Chickens. Yeah, chickens that, no. Ruffled feathers just means people that get, uh, it's like you're messing with their system a little bit. Messing oh, I know what it system. means. I'm just looking for the uh, original. Oh, the original meaning. Oh, in the Greek or whatever. <laughs> That's right. Not everyone reads Greek. Uh, studies on this stuff. No. Okay. So Matthew, let's do the uh, the uh, the so what do you call it? The niceties. The um, yeah. The pleasant social graces. Yeah. Uh, so you're you're re- last time we talked, you were you were reading the Goldfinch, which I've reading read. the Goldfinch. Yep. You're yeah. enjoying it still. Still enjoying it. Yep. Uh, what are you watching? Uh, Tony and I started The Crown. Oh yeah. What do you think? Season four. Very interesting. I heard yeah. there's lots of debate about whether yeah. some of that stuff actually happened. Mm-hmm. Princess the, Diana. The letter to from uh, Mountbatten to Charles, you know, was oh, that letter, yeah, yeah, yeah. episode yes. one? Right, it, right, right, yep. It's Was it an actual letter was in history? Actually, Apparently yeah. not. There's a lot of things in there, yeah. Like Princess Diana. Corey, Corey told me that he finished the series <laughs> already. It, okay, when did it start? It came out like last week. Yeah. Okay, I was saying to Matthew. Corey, what do you do in life? Okay. <laughs> what, like, do you just have all your evenings question. free? Like, I ask myself this question every day. Um, no, I, well, the thing is we don't have kids, like little kids running around any, anymore. So we have a lot of time. So we literally watch Netflix four hours every night. No, we don't. No, no, but we do, we do actually, we watch Netflix most nights. We'll watch like a, an hour or something, you know, before bed or we'll watch an episode. And so we've, we have finished the crown we just finished it last last night i read the bible before bed <laughs> what's that <laughs> of course you do um no, that's good i mean i sometimes do as well um i usually do it first just so morning. everybody knows Corey is rolling his eyes no uh-uh <laughs> okay this has gone downhill fast hey the queen's gambit if have you watched you watched a few episodes that's a great that's a really good series yeah all about I always chess. feel like I always feel like when I say it's a great, I'm like, oh, someone's going to be like, hey, that has some things that aren't perfectly, yeah, sterile and Christian. You're definitely going to get an email. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Okay, actually, I won't. Thankfully, you get most of our emails. Okay, Matthew. So this last Sunday, we just finished the series on on Scripture, uh, God's yep. truth, and the authority of no, on Scripture, truth, and the authority of God. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'd love to just maybe if you if somebody's listening to this and they don't go to you don't go to North Langley or. Uh, aren't part of the weekend services. I just want to give a little bit of a summary because we ended eight weeks uh, in the scriptures. And, yeah. and, and so this last uh, week I focused on authority, mm-hmm. talked a lot about authority. And I, so I want to just give a little bit of a summary. So just kind of chatted a little bit about Jefferson, uh, Thomas Jefferson and his Bible, how he cut it up, took out all the, the kind of the divinity, uh, moments of divinity with Jesus, took out miracles, took out the resurrection, that kind of thing, and kind of chopped it up and was left with the portions that he preferred. And 
I, I made an argument that uh, that time and time again, the serpent from Genesis 3 wants us to do that kind of thing, to kind of like only take the portions of truth that uh, we like and that he wants us to question God's truth and that we, that to live our life based on our feelings. Like Eve wanted to wanted to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And she, she wanted enlightenment, right? Her eyes mm. would be opened, mm -hmm. right? And so that, that was a stronger draw for her than to obey God. So that, so that was the kind of premise at the beginning, just setting up that idea. But then in Matthew 4, we find Jesus totally is faithful. Like when the, when the serpent comes to him with those lies, he responds with scripture, right? It's written. In the desert, it, the temptation of sorry, Jesus. Sorry, the temptation yeah, yeah, in the desert, yeah. yeah. And, and Jesus says, it is written, man will not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And, and I just love that because he's fighting that he's feeling lonely. He's, you know, well, whether he's feeling lonely, he is lonely, he's mm -hmm. alone and he's feeling hungry. Um, but he doesn't go with his feelings. He, he, he fights the, the lies of the serpent with scripture. So basically I was just arguing that we're appealing to, our problem is that we're appealing to experience and feelings as our final authority in life. But that my joy in life that I've found, and I really have found this, is that when I submit my feelings to the authority of Jesus, no matter how hard it is, uh, or, or when I like order my feelings to bow to Jesus, that that there is a joy there. Like there's just a freedom there. And um, I, I just love those words from Galatians 2. Um, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And, and so I have found... And, I, and we're gonna, this is what we're going to talk about here, but mm -hmm. just that my great joy has been not making feelings and emotions king, but put the, putting them all through the grid or the filter of Jesus as king. And, um, and I, and I kind of ended the sermon saying, what are you betting your life on, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're, you, you have to bet your life on something. Um, and the truth of Jesus in the scriptures is something we can bet our life on. So mm -hmm. totally. So that's a little bit of a summary. And uh, Corey, I just want to ask, why did you hate the sermon? <laughs> I did not hate the sermon, Matthew. Yes, you did. No. no yes, I didn't. you did. I just had Tell some the listeners, problems. be okay. honest. Okay. 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 No, I didn't hate the sermon. No, I've told Matthew before. I'm like, Matthew, every sermon is automatically 80% because I think you're an awesome preacher. And I think you're an awesome communicator. I think you're awesome. I think the Lord is using you. So it's just, Thank you know. You, Corey. In Canada, an 80 is an A, but in America, it's a B. <laughs> Actually, depends where you are in Canada. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sometimes 80 is a B in Canada, too. <laughs> okay. No, no. I just, you know what it is? I think for me, so I, I think, uh, okay, and I, I will try to, I'm trying to be a bit more organized, which is not always my strong suit. But so I felt like overall, what I was hearing in the sermon was um, feelings bad. Feelings are bad unless... You're a fully mature Christian. It's kind of what I was hearing being comedic. Maybe that's not fair, but I kind of felt like it was like, don't trust your feelings. And I kind of grew up with that a little bit. Uh, I have great parents, by the way, so it's not, not their fault at all. But I kind of grew up with that idea. It's like, don't trust your emotions, don't trust your feelings. I feel like part of my journey, I would say in the last 15 years, has actually been dismantling some of that and actually learning to trust some of my feelings and learning to trust my emotions and actually recognizing them as what I would say are God's good gift to me and actually to humans in general. We all bear the image of God. 
Um, we see God as, uh, actually God has emotions and God has given us emotions. We see that in scripture. I think for me, I, I just felt as though it, it just seemed a little bit too either or so much of this. So mm. I, I know the one, the one big thing for me was that the, the quote that you, uh, that you put on the screen there, uh, which is that the serpent wants us to question God's truth and to go with our feelings. Um, I guess I feel as though um, what, what I really struggle with about that is the serpent wants us to question God's truth and to go with our feelings. It, it, that seems a little bit troubling to me. So I feel like, okay, so number one, um, like, and I know that you, you said, so number one is who, who has the corner on what God's truth is? I'm not saying uh, that I don't believe that scripture holds God's truth. I, I do believe that for sure. And that, that scripture has authority in our lives. Absolutely. Um, the problem is that that depending on who you talk to, uh, you're going to get a very different response as to what God's truth is, and depending on the topic, right? We have, what do we have, 20, 25,000 different denominations. We have, depending on what passage in Scripture that you're looking at, um, you're going to have very different responses about what God's truth is. And so, for True. instance, you know, let's say we're, uh, maybe this is a low-hanging fruit example. A woman can't have authority over man. You know, Paul talks about this in, in a few different passages. And not only that, but women should wear a head covering, right? So uh, I'm like, well, depending on who you talk to, it's like, yeah, that is God's truth. It's in the scripture. I can show you the passages. Uh, but you talk to someone else and say, no, that's ridiculous. That's very contextual that we have to look at that through this lens. And I know, again, I will just say this and then you can respond, Matthew. I know that you, you did talk about um, properly understood we, in in uh, in week three, um, I thought it was a great sermon talking about how do we how do we read scripture in a healthy way, how do we understand scripture. I guess I feel like I'm just like I still think we need to, I need more I needed more about what properly understood means because I just it just seems a little too to say that yeah basically it's like question you know don't go go with your feelings if you go with your feelings man that's what the devil wants he wants you to go with your feelings. I'm like well okay the Holy Spirit what is the Holy Spirit. What is his role in our life? Like the Holy Spirit actually works through our emotions and through our feelings often. Anyways, so I'll leave it at that. Though that's that's one of the big things that I had trouble with. No, and I will actually I will say that is a great that's good feedback. Like Thanks. it's really good feedback. And so the next the next thing that I had well, <laughs> just joking. Oh man. No, no, no. I I actually really love that about you, about your you're always able to give me really good feedback. And Thanks. and I feel like that about our whole team here at the church. Like mm. I've always thought like just solid feedback from our team and it just really challenges me in a good way mm. to to try to cool. yeah. be a try to grow in my teaching. But so I think if okay. So here if, if I could do a redo from Sunday or if I had more time, mm -hmm. Corey, if I had more time. <laughs> right. Thirty minutes is not Near or oh, 33 <laughs> minutes is last Sunday is not not nearly <laughs> enough time. Huh. No, no, no. Ted talks. Yeah, if I had an hour to preach, no. But it, I, I think I wanted to say a few things. First of all, you're right. It, I think it would be important to take week eight. That was our final week of the series in context with the other weeks of the series. So I would want to emphasize week three, where where, where I was preaching on how to read the Bible. Mm -hmm. So Scripture is authoritative in our life. Uh, when it's properly understood, hmm. right? Right, yeah. So, you know, this is super low-hanging fruit here, but, like, to take a passage on, like, slavery, you know, mm -hmm. you know, slaves obey your masters or something like that and be like, oh, look, you know, we're allowed slavery. Well, of course not. Like, you got to <laughs> analyze that properly and realize that, like, th that the New Testament is, is, when you read it in context, like, it has a lot of challenging things to say against the slave trade or slavery itself. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, there are hard passages, right? Uh, 
and and a, a reader of scripture comes to the New Testament and says, "Well, why don't we see just an abolishment of slavery in general?" You know, so those are that's a good question to ask. Anyway, mm-hmm. there's great information there. I'm not going to go down that rabbit trail, right? But but I think it's scripture properly understood for sure. So week three of the series, and that's that's the cool part of doing a whole series together. Like yeah, you get yeah. to emphasize things, but then sometimes you arrive at week eight and then you want to emphasize something in week three. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the danger of it. So I would say that. So scripture properly understood. And then I would say this, Corey, Mark Twain <clears throat> talked about scripture and I was chatting with Sid Fensum about this, but he, he but Mark Twain was quoted once as saying uh, that some people have a problem with the parts of the scriptures they don't understand, but... I'm much more bothered about the parts that I do understand, right? Like, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Like, like just the like, like I think I gave an example of confess your sins, like, right, yeah, pr- and be healed. Like that actually, that simplicity of of like, I think it actually means what it's saying. Or Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, love your enemy hmm. and pray for those who persecute you. It's kind of like I think that's where Mark Twain would go. Yikes! Like right, that. Right, right. That's yeah. a challenge. So. So I would say scripture properly understood, A, B, that I think there are pretty clear things mm-hmm. that are enough in scripture to be quite authoritative in our life, that if we actually just obeyed them and did them, it would it would really revolutionize our life. Yeah. But I think to your point about the complicated things, the things that are like not so clear, there's tons of those, right, mm-hmm. in scripture. Yeah. And we just did a podcast on one last week, right? Genesis 1, how old is the earth, right? Yes. How do you yeah, un- yeah. understand the first chapter of Genesis? Um, you just brought up the idea of women um, mm-hmm. teaching. Yeah, when you read the New Testament, it's like it, it seems to be saying uh, very clearly a woman shouldn't teach or preach mm-hmm. and um, should wear a head covering and whatever. And and that's that's where I think we as Christians have to do the proper work of understanding the Bible, uh, diving in deep, and coming with humility, mm. uh, being willing to say, okay, like um, there are kind of close-fisted issues and open-handed issues, and um, and they they need to be kind of uh, done, you know, understood with lots of humility. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's okay. That's the first swing. What what would you say? No, that that's good. That's good. I think. Like and I think that I agree with that. I think maybe that's what I was maybe what I was looking for, and and part of it is because I have, because of the you know I have people in mind all the time, right? Of someone who would be like uh, who I just know, uh, and this sounds kind of arrogant almost too. Like where I'm like, oh, I know this this person would misunderstand this. So I it's almost like I would want I would want you I would have loved to have you know maybe just a bit more emphasis on the fact that by the way when I say properly understood. It's a good idea. Let's go back and look at, you know, week three and just understand that this is not like a, uh, I'm not talking about a literal, you know, necessarily a literal reading of scripture, right? Which you talked about in, I think, week, week three as well as um, Genesis 1, um, the podcast. But I think just, yeah, a bit more of just maybe a bit more of a caveat to it all, right? Because it's yes. like, yeah, it feels like it just is too easily, it's too easily abused. That's what I worry yes. about, I think. So. And I would just, maybe this, this leads me to another point about it, and that is the, and we, we talked a bit about this before, but the, the Wesleyan quadrilateral, like which, in terms of how we understand truth, um, how we understand ourselves and understand God, uh, and, uh, and Matthew, I know we, we've talked about, I, have, I wrote down, I always forget the four, the four parts here, but, you know, he, Wesley, you know, would argue that we understand truth and all these things with, through scripture, through tradition, through reason, and through experience. And I think many um, would say that scripture is at the top of the heap, so maybe it has the edge on on authority, if you want to put it that way. 
but we definitely understand like other things through tradition, through the church, right? Through the church teachings, because we have to wrestle. We, uh, I, you know, that I would say that I feel as though scripture sometimes wrestles with itself. It feels as though there are things that we read in scripture, and it's like you read something else, and it's like, oh, wait, I thought it said this, but now it's saying that. And um, you know, whether it's Old Testament teachings, you know, we've you and I have talked about this before. You've heard it said that uh, you know, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I'm telling you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, you know, and um, turn the other cheek, and all those things. So, anyway, sorry. Scripture, tradition, the church. Reason, of course, is just what we what we kind of, again, I would argue, God-given reason, God-given ability to discern things and to be able to understand. Like, that seems wrong to me. I think that's wrong. C.S. Lewis argues that himself in Mere Christianity, where he talks about um, how we know that God is real. It's this idea we all have a moral compass. We all have, our, maybe 99.9% of us, right, have a moral compass. We know that there's a standard of right and wrong. All of us, Christians or not, we know there's a standard of right, and we don't actually live up to it. And then finally, experience what our experience is. So, sorry, I'm kind of, I don't mean to go off on all these long uh, rabbit trails here, but I guess I feel as though that that bumper sticker that says, um, the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. I'm, I'm like, I just don't think that's legit. I think that's actually not a great statement to make because I think well sure because like what does the Bible say right exactly yeah, what yeah. are you what are you talking about and I and I think you're I guess I feel like I totally agree with you obviously we have there's big rock issues that as Christians we would say no we stand very firmly on we believe that Jesus died at the cross and somehow in the act of the cross and the resurrection God was reconciling creation back to himself right we know that or he was defeating sin and death and um but yeah and there's smaller items right when we talk about whether it's pacifism or whether it's, you know, women in authority or whether it's, yeah, you say, you know, slavery. I mean, those are big issues, but they're not necessarily the big, big rock items of our faith. Um, right. I I think I really appreciate Wes, Wesley's quadrilateral mm-hmm. because it does show that tradition, like you have to think, how has this passage been interpreted for most of church history? That's really important, yeah, right? Yeah. So scripture properly understood good exegesis, right? Mm-hmm. Proper skills in understanding scripture, plus how has this always been read? Um, and you're saying plus reason. Reason, yeah. Yeah. And then feelings is what he has uh, at the end? Experience is oh, the experience. Yeah, experience. Right, right. Yeah, so maybe like I might kind of disagree a little bit with some of... I mean, I, I appreciate the quadrilateral. I really yeah, yeah. do. Like, I, I think that's 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 a great place to start. But obviously, there are complicated things about where you would prioritize some of those. I, here's my main point. My main point is I really do believe that sin has tainted humanity mm-hmm. so that my feelings and emotions, like, I actually start from the idea that I can't trust them that they're like raw. They're they're kind of um, raw materials that need to be shaped, and um, I I have felt I have felt that felt. <laughs> there you go. Uh-oh. I think. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> no, I I just when I look back at my story with um, something like my journey, like with pornography, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, I've known that like whatever I'm feeling, if I'm feeling lonely or if I'm feeling hurt or I'm feeling whatever, it would lead me to, to let's say, wanting to look at something I shouldn't or mm-hmm. to lust or something like that. And so I think maybe part of this too is, is my own story. Yeah. Um, I do think this is a true thing. Do you want to give for, just a quick context for people oh, that sorry. don't know yeah, your story? Oh, sorry. Yeah. You know, yeah. So I experienced an addiction to pornography for 
well over 10 years, 10 to 12, 13 years. Mm -hmm. And um, in 2006, had a radical kind of encounter with the Lord through, through and Rob Thiessen was a big part of that and yeah. challenged me. And, and, uh, and I've been able to kind of walk in freedom uh, mm -hmm. from, uh, from, from porn, which has just been amazing <laughs> in my yeah. life. But it, it taught me to, to be really suspect of, of feelings that mm -hmm. I, I can't just go with my feelings. I, they, they have to bow a knee. Like even my best of feelings, like are need to bow a knee to, to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so one of the images that I, that, that I was thinking about was that of like a garden. So picture all of your, all of your feelings in a garden mm -hmm. and picture them as little plants growing, right? Well, some are beautiful feelings. Uh, they're good feelings and they grow and the gardener needs to give them space mm. and uh, light and water and, and just really care for them as a plant, right? Some feelings are weeds that need to be pulled right out of the soil of your heart, right? Yeah. Just the gardener needs to just take them out. And then third, there's some plants, and maybe this is the first plant, <laughs> but that needs to be pruned, right? Like, so it's like, well, actually you really need to cut that one down or like shape it in a certain way. It really needs a lot of work, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so you're really going to work on that plant or that tree or that whatever is growing in your garden. So I feel like emotions are in those three categories, right? Some just have to go. Yeah. Uh, some need to just be free to thrive, <laughs> um, just as they are, and then some need to need to be pruned. But they all have to be in the gardener's garden, and the gardener is in charge of making that choice. Mm -hmm. Is is what I'm saying? Because I would you say would you say that? Yeah. Sorry, just so I have context about the the gardeners in your analogy here. Would you argue that in order to be in that garden, you need to be a Christian? Or are you saying the garden, the gardener's garden is the universe, it's the world of, so everyone's emotions are in that garden. Now, Christians may say, yes, I do choose um, gardener to, to let you water and, you know, and, and, and clean the right. soil, all that kind of stuff. Like, I I'm thinking a Christian. Okay. Because I'm thinking sure, yeah. like the Christian submits them. <laughs> I guess mm -hmm. the, gar it's kind of a weird, the analogy breaks down, but like the Christian says, come have your way in me. Right. Bring yeah. the authority of your gardening tools upon mm. my life, right? right? Yeah. The rest of the world doesn't have that. And so the rest of the world might be operating on some of the way the gardener works. Mm. <laughs> you know, like, hey, we think that, like, stealing is wrong, mm -hmm. you know? Well, yeah. in the scriptures, that's very clear, right? Totally. And God wants to pull out any stealing mm. in, in the garden of the Christian's life. Those in the world could choose to do that or not. Right, it's kind of up to them. Yeah, you know, but but I guess what I'm saying is that's a Christian image. Gotcha. Okay, sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I think I that that that's that's an image that's helpful for me, and that's why all of my life has to be submitted to the gardener. So I don't I don't think there's any one emotion that I'm like, and I think you want to talk about this, Corey. But like I I would just be very suspect of my emotions or critical of my emotions. Like I don't, yeah. I don't necessarily trust it because I believe that the fall impacts or yeah, it impacts my emotions. Totally. I, like, I guess it, it just, for, for me, I think what I, what I feel and I'm okay saying that. <laughs> I think, yeah. And I, I totally get what you're saying. I think that, uh, I think you and I have discovered that often we, um, like I, we, we actually think probably closer than 
you know than we, than at first it seems. You know, like we we agree on the same things, but or we come at it from different angles. And for me, I guess uh, like when I think about our emotions, I think that it's a, it's a well, like like our emotions. I think are to be taken care of and to be taken seriously. I don't necessarily mean that you act on all of your emotions because I feel like there's a difference between emotions and behavior, right? And so. Sure. As like I but but I also would just say that I think I think God has it's part of how he's made us. He's it, with these beautiful this beautiful um ability to have compassion on strangers and and to feel empathy and to understand what beauty is, uh, a good beauty, you know? And of course, now I know that I agree when you say the fall I, I by the way the fall I I always feel like I still love Bishop Robert Barron, which we we both appreciate a lot, how he refers to kind of original sin. He talks about how it's like it's an ontological thing, right? So, so he says in the Garden of Eden, this idea of of going and taking the fruit from the one tree that you're not supposed to take from, is is actually it's meant to display um, the human condition. It's actually what we all that is the that's the the thing for us, right? We're, we're constantly wanting to do things our way without the authority of God, without anything to do with, with God, right? That's sort of the, and we come back to that all the time. That's, I remember hearing that and being like, yeah, that's, so he's like, it's not, not to keep making the Genesis one point, but he, he argues that it's not a chronological thing that we understand original sin. Rather, it's actually, that is an example. That is actually a picture of the human condition. It's an ongoing sure. thing, right? It's a human tendency to do things our own way. I, I think maybe I'm looking, maybe it's that I look at this as a glass half full where I see, I look around me and I have, and maybe this is kind of moving to the next section in a way of of my other sort of pushback on you from this last Sunday was this idea about, it, it seemed like you were reserving, you were reserving good and righteous feelings for Christians who are matured in Christ. You know, like for, for Christians who have actually um, have, have, basically knowingly turned all of those emotions and have let them, you know, as you say, bow the knee to Christ. Otherwise, don't trust your emotions and feelings, or you don't trust or you're skeptical of them. And again, for me, I just, I don't see that playing out in our world. Now, of course, we see it all the time playing out in in different ways. Like, I'm not saying I never see it playing out, but I'm saying, so, for, you know, just let's say close to home, people around me, I... I I trust people that are not Christians. I have friends that are not Christians that who wouldn't call themselves Christians. Um who I'm like, I totally trust their emotions, actually. For the most part, not a hundred percent it's never a hundred percent. I don't trust my emotions a hundred percent. of course. And but, but isn't I, that what I'm saying? If I think you don't we, trust your emotions a hundred percent, that's ex- that's my whole point. I feel, no, I well, here's the thing. Here's where we disagree. I feel like you're saying so it's either this or it's that. So it's either it's either good emotions, perfect emotions, like under the Lordship of Christ are really, really, really good or terrible. That's what I, that's what I feel like I'm hearing you say. And I'm saying mm. nothing, almost, almost nothing in life is like that. So I would say actually, uh, so maybe, it, so let's say if you want to use a zero to a hundred, I'd say, so sure, maybe we're talking 95, 96%, you know, in terms of positive uh, or 81, 82 or 70, you know, like obviously there's, there's just such a wide range and to just write off, human emotion as being suspect unless it is uh, in the Christian context. I, I just think, I don't think that is what we see around us. Like, we hear right. we hear beautiful stories of strangers stepping in and saving that person from the burning car, you know, or, or like, or choosing to pay for the person's bill who couldn't afford it. And we don't necessarily know that this person was a Christian. Now, I, I'm in no way belittling the idea of our emotions bowing the knee to Jesus. I think that's the best. That's the best, of course. That's the way it should be. 
And I'm also not willing to say and anything else, like I'm suspicious of any other kind of displays of emotion or feelings that my friends might have if they're not Christians. It's like, okay, so I got to find a way to, to get them to let that bow the knee to Jesus. I'm like, no, I think God has made the world. We bear his image. Um, I think he when, he when he made us, he said it was very good. You know, I don't think that it's this... Yeah, sorry, I know I'm, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here. I guess I just don't see the reality of the fact that most or all non-Christians who have feelings and emotions, um, that we should kind of at least quietly discredit those feelings and emotions. No, okay, so let me clarify, because I don't, I think that's a good point. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to discredit the good feelings and emotions that the world who are not, you know, those who aren't Christians have beautiful, true, and good feelings let's say the desire to help the poor, the desire to love their spouse, the desire to care and provide for your children, Mm -hmm. um, the love of the beauty of, you know, watching a sunset, um, going, you know, like enjoying friendship, Mm -hmm. um, caring for the earth, like all of these desires in us that want to do. No, for sure. We believe in like common grace, like God, we are all image bearers for sure. What I'm saying is that in discipleship or apprenticeship to Jesus, which is the journey we're on as a church, I, I, I think the follower of Jesus says, no matter how good and beautiful all my desires are, I want them to go through the Jesus filter. Like, I want them to be in God's good garden, and I want him to even take my best of emotions and, sh- and shape it according to his desires. So, so that I always am running my whole grid through, through him. Because sometimes um, humanity's great love of something like love of creation can sometimes move towards worship of creation rather mm-hmm. than the creator, right? <clears throat> right? Or like sometimes a deep love for a spouse can, can actually keep going in a direction where it's um, an obsession for the spouse or a, or a unhealthy relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Where it, I, I guess what I'm saying is all good desires can sometimes go over yeah. board. And so unless they're, I guess that, that idea of a gardener that tends to the garden, always watching over it, caring for it, making sure it's in the right spot. So I'm not, <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is, is I agree with you that the world lots of people can have those kind of beautiful things and emotions and feelings Mm -hmm. that sometimes really align with God. Yeah. I think that's great. But I'd say the, the greater thing would be for that person to come to trust God and then to say, God, would you just, would you, would you garden the, 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 the soil of my life and the plants of my life and all these feelings in a way that honors you? Because at any moment, I know even my best of emotions, if they're not, under your authority can go wrong. Totally. Right? Yeah. I don't know. I So I do think you and I agree. Maybe it's how I said it. It's how you said it. Yeah. I, what you just said now, I'm like, uh, of course, a hundred percent. I'm totally with you. Mm. I think what I was, yeah, for me, it's more about what was said. And that that's where I, and again, you have these, just so you, like we have these conversations all the time. Matthew is so awesome at being like, tell me, Corey, I want to hear. <laughs> so, so just, you know, I don't want it to be awkward. People are like, why is Corey, you know, disagreeing with Matthew? So no, much. no, no. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I think it has more to do with how it was said. Because what again, what I what I was hearing, or again, trying to he- listen through the ears of, let's say, someone just tuning in for the first time who doesn't really have a context for Matthew or North Langley Community Church, or who maybe isn't, wouldn't call themselves a Christian, I, I worry that what they might hear, what they might have heard, would be like it's like unless you have unless you have uh, 
allowed your emotions and your feelings to bow the knee to Jesus, um, you should not be trusting your feelings and emotions. And that's where I, I'm like, I, I think there's somewhere in the middle. And what I heard you just say was way more what I'm like, yeah, exactly. I think you're right. I think the ideal for sure as Christians, we believe that about discipleship, that God shapes us and he refines us and he's growing us to be more and more what he has made us for and all mm. those good things. I just don't think that it's it's zero or a hundred. So it's, and if you don't do that, you have, your emotions are immediately suspect and we don't trust anything. And it's like, you should not trust them. Do not look to them for any sort of authority or any kind of, that's, that's what right. I was hearing or worrying that could be said. Well, let me throw something out at you because okay. maybe what I'm looking for is more of a practical thing. Okay. Right. So like, I think you're right. And I think we probably agree on a lot of this, but what I'm, what I would argue is that a follower of Jesus, it, it's really important that they practice this kind of thing, that mm. they practice thinking critically about their emotions. Mm. So I guess I would say, do you think the church has a problem with Christians not thinking critically enough about some of the things they're feeling, right? Like, so I don't know how you'd answer that, but I would answer in the affirmative, like, I would say a lot of the problem in discipleship or growth in Jesus is that we haven't been critical enough about some of our now critical. I know that's a hard word, but we haven't we haven't thought been thoughtful enough about some of our feelings and our emotions and some of the disastrous choices with mm. sin mm -hmm. are when people go with their feelings, they go with their emotions, they just want to be quote unquote happy, they just need to be free, they just need to hmm. yeah. yeah. Obviously, I'm using lots of images that could be a, a, like a troubled marriage, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, for you sure. You know, one partner is just like, I want to be the true me and I want to be free and I want, you know, and I'm mm -hmm. just like, man, you need to like take those emotions and let them bow to Jesus because you're you're going bad places. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah. when you think about, you know, uh, you know, kind of the, the desire to be with like another lover or someone who right, will right, right. really appreciate me for who I am or whatever. And, mm -hmm. and I find this with a lot of men, right? Like right. that's, they start to feel that way and they want to, you know, leave their marriage for whatever. So I'm not thinking about anyone specific here. Like yeah, I'm yeah, just, yeah. I'm just no, giving no. a general generalities. Mm -hmm. So I just feel like maybe I'm, I'm looking for something more practical and I'm saying, I think there's, this is, this is the good work that a disciple does. They should, they should kind of think, be very thoughtful about their feelings and emotions and submit them to Jesus. So maybe I'm looking for more like a, this is just a good practice for every Christian Hmm. even their best of desires to run them through the Jesus filter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I do, I do, yeah. I think you're, it's funny, as you're saying this, I'm like, I wonder if a lot of this has to do with, so maybe my my reaction to it is more like the idea of the un, what I would say is the unhealthy version of saying, don't trust your feelings, stifle your emotions, don't think that way, don't hmm. feel that way. And and I think most of us would, would acknowledge that that's probably not a healthy way to deal with your emotions. Now, there's also another very unhealthy way of dealing with your emotions. And that is like, just go with it, man. Like do whatever you want to do. And like, if you're feeling it, just do it. Like that's the other extreme, right? Where it's like, oh, that, that ends badly, you know, all the time. Right. Um, Which is kind of part of every Hollywood movie. Right. Many of them. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Not oh, all okay, of them. Not, many all right. of them. There's a lot of great Hollywood movies that have <laughs> total Christian worldviews, whether they know it or not. Name one rom-com that does not do that. <laughs> okay. okay. No, I, that's right. Uh, well, you know my extensive list of rom-coms that I... Uh, <laughs> we're sharing. Uh, no, no. But don't you think it is the, the, it's, it's what we're all swimming in in our culture? It's like, be true just, to yourself, I'm, go the way of your feelings, 
Okay, again, like, I just like see you know that I don't I'm not I I don't like this idea. Corey of, cannot say one bad thing about culture. No, that's not it. I just will not make broad sweeping <laughs> statements about culture. It's like, oh, it's all going to hell. It's like, no, it no, it's really not actually. It's really not like yes, right. are there problems in culture? 100%. Are there problems in the church? 100%. So, I'm not saying the same Agreed. thing. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm just saying but but we don't say oh, the church is all terrible and bad. It's like no, no, it's got it's got its problems, of course. And uh, Jesus loves his bride, and we're part of that, and that's great. But I also think Jesus loves his culture, and I think there are mistakes and there's problems in it, of course. And as Christians, as the church, we should be a prophetic voice in there, but we should also be, man, seriously, we should be creating beautiful things in our culture. And we have a lot of great filmmakers making beautiful things in our culture that are sometimes blatantly Christian. Totally. And By the way, I, not. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Totally. So, so saying, Corey and I do yeah. agree, but yeah. I am saying, don't you think that the that the diet people are eating and drinking whenever they watch most things? Mm. I Some don't know. Things. What was is the, is like you should be true to your quote unquote self, and whatever you're feeling on the inside is probably who you are and what you should do. See, this is where we get into the whole. We were just talking about this earlier: the true self and the false self which I actually believe is a pretty, it's a good way of describing what is going on in each of us. There is a true self and a false self. And I, and I, I, I it's funny, I always picture certain people <laughs> rolling their eyes as I say this. Well, you can I, picture me rolling my oh, eyes. Yeah, exactly. I don't have to. Look at my eyes right now. Front, yeah. <laughs> they are, they just rolled. <laughs> I just rolled No, them. I'm like, we have been made in the image of God, right? We are, God is our father. Uh, and so there is something in us that is beautiful and sacred and holy. I actually believe that God has made us like himself somehow. We resemble God somehow, all of us. And then there was the yeah. next chapter where there was a serpent. <laughs> and we are prone, as we just talked about, we are prone towards uh, making decisions that are unhealthy. We are prone towards seeking life in the wrong places as opposed to seeking life with God, right? This is the fall. This is the original sin. That's the way I understand it. It's like, absolutely. It does not make us less um, beautiful in God's eyes. I don't believe. God still loves the world. Even in our sin, God died for us. Like I, So I guess... Uh, yeah, I do believe that there is something, and I know that you don't like the idea of like looking deep and finding, and I'm like, I get that it's a mystery, and how do we do that? And well, I think that's the church's role, is to say, hey, like, God is at work, actually, even when you don't know it, he is at work, and God has created something beautiful in every human being on this planet. He said it was very good when he made when he made us, and I think that's worth sticking to and being really diligent about it. and not saying it's just, oh, it's all just a mess and everyone's corrupt and you're evil and sinful. And we've heard too many pastors say those kinds of things. Uh, it feels like God is, you know, God is, is angry or God is like, you know, I remember one particular pastor who's saying, God hates you so much, you know, like right now, the way you're living in your sin and you're like, a, you're an absolute wreck. And, and I'm like, man, that is so not the gospel, I don't think, at all. Okay. There it went off again. You know, no, so. no, no, no. It... I, I hear what you're saying. I, I think for me, that image that I often use in sermons about ex curvatus exe and mm -hmm. in curvatus inse, I think for me, the most simple way I can say it is I don't think the Bible encourages me to go into myself to figure out who I am and then advertise that to the world. This is right. who I am. Yeah. I think the Bible says truth comes from outside me into me and transforms me. So the hmm. the direction of truth is an arrow coming into my life rather than me doing some kind of digging in my soul to figure out okay, what do I feel? Who am I? What am I? And then and then it and then that coming out as truth. Like because that to me 
And maybe it's not important for other people to think of it that way, but I think that's how the Bible describes it. It's God's truth coming into my life, changing me, transforming me, like Romans 12, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm -hmm. That the idea is that God's truth comes in, it transforms me, it transforms me, it renews me. So the more open I am, ex curvatus exe, like the more open I am to God's truth coming into my life, the more I realize who I actually am. It's 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 God's true identity being poured into my life, mm. which are beautiful things. Hey, you're made in the image of God. You are yeah, loved yeah. by God. I love that in the sermon, by you're, the way, that section where you're talking yeah? about who you are, who God says you are. Yeah, yeah, because actually sometimes people go inward to find the true self, and they can't find anything, and there's nothing but self-condemnation, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, this. listen to God's word coming from outside of you into you to change you and transform you. That to me resonates way more, and not to say that I'm like a worm. I don't. I don't actually think like, oh, I'm this terrible worm of a human being. Like, Total no, depravity. I am. Yep. I am made in in God's image, but I think I don't. I just don't even know where to start with. Go into myself and figure out yeah, the true yeah. me. See, I feel like there's a hybrid version of that, and I, that's what I would. I would say I, again. I'm just. I'm as you're saying this. I'm like, well, yeah. What is it that I don't like about that? Feels of course, feels very linear to me. So I'm like, God has placed where we read in scripture. And again, I know we read a lot of things in scripture, but we read in scripture that God has placed eternity on the human heart. He's placed eternity on the human heart. That's all of our human hearts. So there is... Has he placed that on your arm? <laughs> oh, Corey? Yeah. He totally has. Everyone God has that. placed eternity on Corey's arm through a tattoo. tattoo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's true. But that's why I have it on there. It's the most beautiful thing ever. And it is the... It sums up... <laughs> Matthew is looking at me in a very condescending and Let's go to the scriptures right on tattoos. <laughs> That's right, exactly. <laughs> no, but I'm saying, like, say, okay, so like, so like, God has placed eternity on our. So work with me here. Like, I, God has placed eternity on our hearts. There is something, and C.S. Lewis talks about this too. We all have this. Yes. There is a longing for home. We have totally. something within us. So here's the thing. I would argue to say it's not as cold cut as saying cold cut. Not as cold and cold cut trio. Cold Subway. Cut trio. Subway. Oh. <laughs> So hungry. Um, no, no, it's not like, it's not as though it's like, no, no, nothing, nothing to do with me. Cut it's and dry. all outward coming in. Yeah. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's both and. It is something within you. God has made you. There is like, a, you know, maybe it's like a diamond that is inside of you and it's covered up and it's hidden. And it's like, and I love the image of waking up, of suddenly being woken up to who I am, to who God has truly made me to be. And it's because he has placed something of himself within each of us. And so, as opposed to saying you're a reckless sinner, you're like heading for hell, you're it's like, no, how about instead we say, hey, can I can I actually can I tell you what I actually think that you are, who I think God says you are? And maybe it's even in a in a way reminding you of something that you have long ago forgotten. <laughs> I know, feels Lord of the Rings, but No, I it's it's a, you're making a really good point. And and I actually I I think I agree with it. I'm just too pra- yes. I'm too, way too more I'm just more practical than that. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just like Okay, but then how do I live my everyday? My everyday is ex curvatus. It's well, like, it's totally, and I, think, I just yeah. open my life to God's truth. The tr- yeah, and that's what our church, obviously, like the church is, that, that is our role. That's that's the role of being pastors, of teachings, of of the scholars, biblical scholars. Like, all of this is very much, like, of course, we're receiving this stuff from outside. I think I just, I'm resistant to the idea that it's all from the outside. It has nothing to do with your inner self. I'm like, no, I don't believe that. I think all of us bear the image of God. Therefore, we all have something in us that is, and maybe it's been buried for years, and maybe the decisions we've made, again, the C.S. Lewis idea, 
I know we got to wrap this up pretty quick, don't we? Of this idea that we're all becoming either more angelic or more demonic, right? He has this very stark picture. Like, so maybe, and the, even the, the Chronicles of Narnia, Diggory, who's turned into a dragon, has to has all those things getting cut away. But underneath, I think that was all Eustace. Of, Oh, is it Eustace? Oh, I thought it was Diggory, sorry. Eustace. But at the end, that's a beautiful picture. He's yep. pl- Aslan is tearing off all these uh, layers of... of um, totally. You know? And guess what's underneath, Matthew? His true self. His true self is underneath Eustace. Well, after he gets baptized in the water. Well, <laughs> ex curvatus ex. Yeah, yeah. He get, well, and also after he gets all the, uh, all the outer layers taken off of him, right? Right. Anyway, sorry, I know. We're... But he can't take off his outer layers. That's the no, point of the story. You yeah. can't do it to yourself. You can't yep. You can't mine your own life for the truth. E, well, you, the... you have to let God take <laughs> it off of you. The full truth. <laughs> yeah. And I guess, and, and again, how linear is it and how circular is it? Like how much, like, again, we would, we would both probably say, like, I think there are, there are, I have, I have people in my life that would not call themselves Christians that in some ways I feel like they're better people than I am. You know what I mean? Where I'm like, man, you just like, like. And I want to say, and I have said, I remember saying to a friend, like, I think that that impulse that you have, the really good impulse, I don't remember what it was, I'm like, I think that's the spirit of Jesus, like, actually moving in you and doing something in you that is really good. Mm. That's actually what I'm like, I see it. I see it in you. I see that this is a very, this is a total Christian thing you're doing, even though you don't recognize it as that. So anyways... Sorry, I know, I'm digressing. Sorry, everyone, you probably, most people are probably like, I want to hear from Matthew. Corey, shut up. <laughs> no way, man. No, really? No. You really, for sure? I do believe it. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Wait, you believe people, what? People want to hear from okay. me. Okay. <laughs> they do. They do. Oh, man. Thanks um, for letting me talk. Yeah, that, I, I, I feel like I talk so much in this one. No way, it's good. Oh, boy. It's good. Now you can get all the emails. Yeah. <laughs> no. All this is from Matthew, just so you all know. Yeah. So Corey and I have to run to a meeting. We do. We have a meeting right now. But we love everyone, and Corey and I love each other. Yes, we do. And we respect each other's opinions. 100%. Well, like and 97% for sure. <laughs> Just joking. 100%. Corey's going to look into himself to find his true self this week, <laughs> and I'm going to open myself up to God's authority. We'll see <laughs> We'll see who looks like the better Christian. Oh, my goodness. Oh, okay. Yeah, so good. Okay, absolutely. Love you guys. Have an awesome week. God bless you. We will see you later. Soon.